0: Coming to you from a cozy little condo, high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome Welcome to the Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts.
1: And an eventful week it has been in the ATL. Looks like we've got nice weather for the weekend. Braves and Astros are in town. I'm going to the game tonight. Looking forward to that, which means I've got to get this podcast and show out in time to air on America One Radio. Thank you for listening there or on the whatever podcast platform you tune in on. We do appreciate that. I want to welcome writer and activist uh, Micah Herskind. Am I saying your last name right? I want to make sure I did that right.
0: Uh, yeah, Herskind.
1: Herskind. Okay, good deal. So <laughs> Micah has uh, been someone that, if you're following any of the Cop City story on Twitter, Micah, I think you may be one of the more influential uh, folks to follow on Twitter because you are on every angle of this story. So, I first of all, I tip my cap to you, uh, and thanks for joining us. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
1: So, uh, the latest revelation this week is uh, sort of a, a gobsmacking scenario where uh, the DeKalb County autopsy revealed that there's no no gunpowder residue on uh, Manuel Pérez P- 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 Teran's towards- uh, hands or body inside the tent, which kind of has everyone scratching their heads wondering, how can he have fired a gun from inside the tent if there's no gunpowder residue inside the tent or on his body? And the reaction to me is sort of kind of a... I mean, from, from the activist standpoint, yeah, the reaction is loud. From everybody else, it's kind of a collective shrug, even from the media.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, you know, there's been... Some articles. Um, you know, I, I will say we've seen for the first time um some actual statements from lawmakers. So there's been a handful of statements put out by um some state Democrats and um really just I think two Atlanta council members. Right. So, you know, it's it's more than we've ever gotten, but also still basically nothing. Um, and you know, we're we're you know, now three months out from from the time that Tortuguita was killed, and you know. The the activist narrative has stayed the same from the very beginning, that this was a political assassination where cops went into the forest and shot and killed Tortuguita and then framed them for their own murder. Um, Meanwhile, you know, the the cops and police narrative has changed every every week as as more information has come out.
1: Yeah, I, I remember the uh, we, we played a little bit of the initial press conference from that afternoon, uh, January 18th, where uh, the GBI investigator said that uh, he shot at officers unprovoked, and then we learned later that they actually had fired uh, pepper balls into the tent. And now we're presuming, at least from the decab autopsy, that did Tortugita even shoot?
0: Right. Right. I mean, you know, so so far, you can at least put it this way, there is no evidence showing that Georgia V just shot. And, you know, they've had three months to investigate now. If they had any evidence that they were shot at first, that would have come out. And, you know, that's just, you know, it, when you take together the fact that their narrative has changed again and again. First, it was, oh, we were walking in the forest and then we were ambushed by gunfire and returned. And then it was we were talking to the tent and then someone shot at us. And, mm. you know, then it became. We shot pepper balls into the tent um you know there's just nothing showing showing any 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 shot from church first and so yeah i mean there's there's really no reason to believe the police narrative at this point
1: so do you anticipate there will be—these sorts of proclamations, these sort of developments, uh, revelations, often lead to further protests. Are, are we expecting to see any sort of upswell of protest or a peaceful vigil or marches or anything like that? You're, you're following this better than I am. I mean, I'm a, I'm a real estate agent, and this podcast is a side hustle for me, so I don't get to follow nearly as hard as I'd like to. And I'm sure it's the same for you as well. You've got work to do. But do you see sure. anything uh, you know, brewing?
0: Yeah, so so there's already, you know, stuff that's been in the works. So this weekend, actually, is Puerto birthday. And so um, there's been a weekend of connection that's been planned where there's a bunch of different events. Um, you know, there's there's been weekly mutual aid, um, you know, food distributions in Woodruff Park. And they're going to do a big thing for Puerto birthday this weekend. There are some events happening. So, um, you know, I, I haven't heard as much on, on the protest front, um, but I think there's, you know, there's a lot of upcoming events in terms, and you can, and you can find it on defendtheforestatl.com. Um, because yeah, there's, there's a lot planned for their birthday.
1: I did not realize that this was Tortugita's birthday. How old would Tortugita have been this weekend?
0: 27.
1: Oh man, that's just tragic. Oh, yeah. that's just yeah. tragic. I, I I feel for uh, Tortugita's mother and family and the confusion. I, it's just so hard to explain to somebody well, the American justice system, supposedly the finest in the world, and actually, here's what's going down.
0: Right. Right. I mean, and, you know, just, just imagine being Church of Gita's family, their their mother and their brother brotherhood, you know, been back and forth, um, you know, to, to meet with lawyers, you know, finding out that your child, that your child's body was, you know, torn apart. The, the, this autopsy found 57 bullet wounds. You know, this was... You know, uh, an incredibly violent execution by Georgia State Patrol. Um, And, you know, what what, one of my friends pointed out is, you know, now the fact that you have people questioning this cop narrative, it's, you know, people admitting we actually can't trust the police. As soon as we're calling for an independent investigation, we're admitting that, yeah, the cops are saying one thing, but none of the evidence is playing out, you know, in favor of their narrative. And so, you know, people are at least implicitly admitting. You cannot trust the police and you know we, we see this every time cops kill someone when cops killed george floyd when cops killed tyree nichols there's always this immediate explanation of oh here's why this person actually deserved to be killed and you know people are immediately framed for their own murder essentially and that's exactly what's happening here but because cop city is this development led by atlanta democrats you don't see people really saying anything you know you see people saying things about tyree nichols when it happens in another state uh, but all the Democrats here, from you know, besides this handful now that is beginning to speak out, have been totally silent.
1: That's the frustrating thing from someone who is uh, left of center. Honestly, that mm-hmm. there there hasn't been more of a pushback. We're, we're not hearing anything. And, and I, what 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 would a Senator John Ossoff say? What would a Reverend Raphael Warnock say that would not damage them politically? You know how the narrative works. Oh, you're looking to defund the police. You want to, you know, that's the sort of pushback that I think Democrats are fearful of
0: facing. Right. Right. I mean, for one, they could acknowledge that someone has been killed. Right. You know, even Andre Dickens, the mayor, his first statement after that weekend was offering condolences for the officer who was shot, again, likely by friendly fire, by other cops, not even acknowledging that a protester was murdered through an operation that Andre Dickens Police force was a part of, force was a part of. And so, you know, they could begin by acknowledging the murder, acknowledging that, you know, the circumstances are, at, at the very least, highly questionable, you know, under which this killing took place. You know, Senator Ossoff has made um, environmental protection, you know, one of, one of his big efforts and here's a forest being destroyed to build a 90 million (laughs) dollar urban warfare center and so these are really like you know these really should be low bar issues for them to take a stand on even if they're not you know of course these these people aren't abolitionists they're not going to say defund the police but they can say hey maybe we should reconsider this project now that has already taken a life we should reconsider this project that's going to take the lives of all of these trees when we're in the midst of climate disaster
1: Mm. We're on with Michael Herskin is a uh, local writer and activist. He's been following this Cop City saga about as well as anybody that I can find uh, to, to to have a conversation about this. I mean, we've we've had uh, Jackie uh, Jackie Eccles on from the uh, South River Watershed Alliance from an environmental and ecological point of view. We've had uh, other politicians on, some other pundits as well. But Michael I, I mean, Mike Mike has been all over this for for quite a while. And again, I- anybody who just goes down your Twitter timeline will be like, this dude knows <laughs> what he's talking about. So I just want to give you your props on that.
0: Oh well, thank you. Thank so
1: true or false, has the GBI completed their investigation? Because I'm seeing some some smoke that, that they've actually completed their investigation. And If they have, then where's the information we're supposed to be getting?
0: <laughs> right. So it was very quietly announced, I just saw it yesterday, actually, that they actually, the GBI finished this investigation last week. And they said that they they turned over, um, you know, that, that investigation to, uh, I can't remember which, so, some some other prosecutor because the, the DeKalb County prosecutor recused herself mm-hmm. from the case. Um, and so, yeah, their investigation has been completed and actually... What they said a couple months ago when they stopped any of the body camera footage from coming out was that it would be that that footage would be released once they completed their investigation um of course that footage has still not been released I, I imagine they're saying that you know the broader investigation is still open but you know now the the fact finding gbi has completed that and still we're not getting you know any of the evidence that they said again three months to release an autopsy report three months. It doesn't take three months to do an autopsy. Mm. They, they sat on this information because they knew it would make them look bad. They knew that it looks bad to show that this person's body was absolutely shredded by bullets and that they have no evidence that there was any shot fired first.
1: I'm also curious, as, as we sit on a Friday afternoon and have this conversation, uh, I mentioned earlier that I, I felt like the Supreme Court was waiting to uh, release their Mifeprestone uh, decision today because it's trash day in 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 dc Mm -hmm. this is the day you release bad news and then you know leave for the weekend and americans aren't paying attention to news over the weekend but activists with regard to cop city are on this 24 7 365 seemingly so there didn't seem to be a good day to release it but i do for i do sort of feel like wednesday afternoon was probably about as good a time to do
0: it yeah yeah that's probably true
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i hate i hate to think that pessimistically like that but i really do
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, they, you know, so it was, it was released, you know, Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening. And that same afternoon, Mayor Andre Dickens had a press conference where right? um, He's he stood with a bunch of sort of like old guard Black leaders, you know, many of whom really do not represent so many of the Black-led organizations, you know, who have been fighting to stop Cop City. And, he, you know, he had this flashy press conference. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I think there's, there's always a timing element here where they're trying to sort of, you know, make sure that certain information gets swept aside by sort of either you know releasing it at an inopportune time or by you know flooding the media with other stories.
1: And again, I, I go back to what I've said a few times about Mayor Dickens. This to me is the one pox on his house. I think he's had a, a, a you know a good first year or so. This is the one thing that, and it's not just a Dickens thing. It's a city council issue. It's it's uh, Mayor Bottoms. You know, was 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 there when this began. It's been so poorly handled from the outset, and nobody seems to be able to get in front of this from a positive <laughs> PR point of view or even, I don't know, here's an idea, extend an olive branch. Can we have a summit? Can we get people together and have a cogent conversation? You know, his, his, his new committee it was meeting behind closed doors. There was no YouTube right. live or, or on Zoom or any of that, and now now it's right. going to be allegedly on Zoom.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, what's, what's fascinating about that is that you know, so so sort of the one concession that, you know, people like Andre Dickinson given is, OK, yes, you know, the community engagement around this was bad. They, you know, they didn't listen to the community. Seventeen hours of public comment. People really widely opposed to it. And so and, and then there was, you know, this one committee, community engagement committee that had been set up. That one, after meeting for over a year, got shut down because, it you know, there it was so many issues of transparency secrecy one member quit another member filed the appeal to the permits for you know cop city Um, another one was kicked off and so you know that committee essentially got shut down and then mayor dickens was saying okay well we're going to make this new one this new task force it's going to have all these people on it of course it was you know all people he had selected you know really to to kind of make him look good and 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 this was his pledge okay we're finally going to do community engagement better and then from the very beginning he's closing these meetings. And so now the ACLU of Georgia has has stepped away from that committee. They resigned from it Mm. because of the transparency issues. So it's just, you know, time after time, the city is showing that it has no real interest in any sort of community engagement. And and the fact is we're two years in now. If if they, they know what the community thinks, they know that Atlanta is not in favor of this. And so because they know that instead of actually following, you know, that those, um, you know, the wishes of so many Atlanta residents. They're just trying to create different ways to make it look like they're engaging. And that's why you see these continued issues with each of these committees that they set up.
1: We are on with Cop City opponent, local writer and activist as well. His name is Michael Herskin. Back with him to find out What does the future hold? Is there any room for optimism for opponents of Cop City? We'll discuss after the break. If you want to stay on top of this story as well as you can, follow him on Twitter at Micah, M-I-C-A-H-N-A-T-L. Happy Friday. We're back with Micah Herskins, who is a local writer and activist, obviously a Cop City opponent. He is probably... One of the more thorough Twitter follows if you just need to pedestrian-like stay on top of this story, as I've managed to try to do since January. He's been doing it a lot longer, Uh, so we thought we'd talk to him. The lack of gunpowder residue on Tortugita's body, according to the official DeKalb County coroner's autopsy. I also have to apologize, because I think I've called you Michael a couple of times. Apologies, Micah. From somebody named Ron, Rob, Rod comes to me all the time, so I'm sorry about that, buddy. Uh, Micah, so w- what what does the future hold? I mean, obviously there are still environmental studies, and there's all all these you know wonky zoning meetings, and everything gets rubber stamped. So, w- mm-hmm. what can activists take from what we know now as any glimmer of hope of trying to put a stop to this project?
0: Right. So, so one of the biggest things, really, is that um, you know even though. There are current city council members saying like, you know, this is a done deal. This was already approved. The fact is that the city council never actually, um, you know, approved any dollars to go toward this project. And the cost, so the cost from, for the public was originally $30 million. Right. That's now gone up to at least $33.5 million, And right. what that means is that city council is going to have to vote on this funding. So Mm -hmm. they actually are going to need to to do a vote on this funding to set aside the money. And that means that all the city council members who have been saying, well, you know, we inherited this problem, you know, Uh this this wasn't ours, they're going to have a chance to put their money where their mouth is, and they're going to have a chance to vote against it. And so, you know, now is the time for every Atlanta resident, every DeKalb resident to be, you know, calling into city council, showing up on Mondays, showing up to committee meetings and making clear that, you know, we don't want this money set aside. There are so many ways that we could use $33.5 million to actually improve community safety, to actually get people resources, and Cop City is not what's going to do that.
1: Micah, here's another question I wanted to ask you from the point of view, uh, obviously, as as an opponent of the Atlanta Police Training Facility, Cop City, how do you think local media has covered this story? Just go at it.
0: Yeah, I will go at it. Um, I mean, yeah, so... So I think the thing to understand about the local media system here is that, um, for for one, much of it, some some of the loudest um, or some of the most prominent outlets are owned by some of the funders yes. of Cop City. So of course, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, our paper of record, you know, a lot of people's main source, you know, for news, um, is owned by Cox Enterprises. The Cox Foundation has donated ten million dollars mm-hmm. to Cop City and to the Atlanta Police Foundation. Um, you know, their CEO is the, is the guy who's leading the $60 million fundraising campaign. And this almost never gets disclosed, um, you know, in, in the AJC's stories. Um, you know, a bunch of the news media, um, you know, is also, you know, is, is also owned by Cox Enterprises right. and other sort of big media outlets. And so, you know, you have these consistent conflicts of interest that are rarely disclosed. And you've, you've seen how that shapes the reporting. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's only attributable you know, to that ownership I think it's also that you know there's there's sort of the, the saying if it bleeds it leads things are flashy cop cars on fire um, you know that's that's sort of you know what media prefers to cover and you know maybe it's not as sexy to show you know the you know the the even you know just the neighbors marching in the street saying hey we don't want this to show the literal children the preschoolers who showed up to city council, just this past week to speak directly to city council members to say, Hey, we need these trees. We're going to grow up in this neighborhood and, you know, we need these trees for our existence. Um, And so, you know, what you've really seen is the, the media has really been a mouthpiece for Andre Dickens Mm -hmm. and for the city. And, you know, they repeat a lot of their press releases, a lot of their talking points. They've really repeated this domestic terrorism angle, just basically saying, you know, anyone involved with this movement is a domestic terrorist. They're all outside agitators. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I, w- I would say it's it's a really rough media ecosystem. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, the movement has broken through in some ways. And mm-hmm. you can see even despite, you know, that really strong bias against the movement, public opinion is still pretty in favor of, of the broader movement.
1: I, I was going to point out today, by the way, it, it, today's AJC, the front page, bottom uh, bottom corner, they finally got the headline right. I mentioned this yesterday. I kind of went off a little bit on the AJC, which, by the way, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, um, you know, they've got great writers. They've got really good reporters at the AJC. I just feel like this is one story, again, as you mentioned, you know, there, there seems to be a conflict of interest, and it sort of taints how they cover this. Finally today, it was Friday morning's AJC. Two days later, autopsy, no gunshot residue on activists killed by troopers. Now, that mm-hmm. even that headline in and of itself doesn't tell you what this is about. You finally right. get to the sub-headline that mentions the training center site. Uh, so, uh, let, I'll, I'll give them their due on that, but I, again, I reeled on them a little bit yesterday because everywhere you looked online, yesterday's front page, even that was not the narrative, uh, in the headlines. Yeah. So, uh, I just wanted to add to that. And you're right. WSB TV, uh, also, uh, part of the Cox, uh, media family, yep. uh, in, in some ways. Should... <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And, and I'm not going to lie. Listen, I launched this show in October myself. We were so eaten up with, uh, political races you know senate runoffs the herschel walker circus that this kind of flew under the radar i don't think i even yeah. started covering this until january myself but mm-hmm. then the tortuguita thing happened and you start asking questions and you start having people right. on like you like yourself uh and you start to see this picture uh, so hopefully we do have more people paying attention now than before
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, what one thing I'll add is that even though the the local media coverage has been really rough, um, you know, the national media has actually been much more favorable. And you know, the international media—it's amazing when I when I talk to international reporters, it's just so clearly different. They're like, what a a private foundation is funding a police facility? Like, what (laughs) even is that? You know, even just some of the questions that people ask make it clear, like how really. You know, it is such an anomaly here, you know, this entire situation. The fact that this, you know, dark money police foundation is destroying a forest to build an urban warfare center, and that's in a city run by Democrats. You know, it really just sort of throws into perspective how, you know, how out of control this whole thing is.
1: I've seen more coverage from The Daily Show. Literally, I've seen two segments from The Daily Show than I have from, uh, you know, most local media when it comes to telling the other side of this story.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Micah Hersek and I appreciate you giving us some time today. Uh, listen, I'm going to let you get to the rest of your Friday afternoon. Have a great weekend. And of course, thank you so much for staying on top of this story. It's been a wealth of information for us to follow you on Twitter.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Have a good one.
1: You do the same. Again, a good
0: follow at Micah,
1: N A T L, on Twitter. Stand by. A fellow by the name of Royce Mann joins us. He shared a story yesterday on Twitter after eavesdropping on cops talking about what they'd have done to Tortugita. And you may be shocked at what you hear or may not be, unfortunately. That's next.
0: Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense, common again. This, this is The Ron Show on America One Radio.
1: As we head into the weekend, uh, saw this story... From the Associated Press, and uh, I think this has some relevance with the entire Cop City discussion. I'm read from the AP story. President Joe Biden uh, today plans to sign an executive order that would create the White House Office of Environmental Justice. Huh. The White House said it wants to ensure that poverty, race, and ethnic status do not lead to worse exposure to pollution and environmental harm. Biden is trying to draw a contrast between his agenda and that of Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. GOP lawmakers have called for less regulation of oil production to lower energy prices, while the Biden administration says the GOP policies would give benefits to highly profitable oil companies and surrender the renewable energy sector to the Chinese. Biden will sign the executive order to continue delivering on, quote, the most ambitious environmental justice agenda in our nation's history, the White House said in a statement. The order tells executive branch agencies to use data and scientific research to understand how pollution hurts people's health so that work can be done to limit any damage. Under the order, executive agencies would be required to inform nearby communities if toxic substances were released from a federal facility. By the way, while we're waiting to hear from Royce Royceman, who he and I have been conversating on Twitter, and so there's a little bit of lag between our response times to each other, so that may lead me to... Punting on. I hope not. I'd like to talk to this young fellow, an Emory student who ran for a board of education seat as a sophomore. Uh, He's he's actually got a lot going on. I can't wait to have him on the show. Hopefully, it's today. I figured I'll cover a few more stories. Uh, So we were talking earlier with activist Micah Herskind and mentioned that the mayor's task force on the future training center for the Atlanta Police Department and Fire Department. Uh, had been meeting behind closed doors, well, after a lot of noise about that, now the mayor's opening those up. He had said that the group would meet behind closed doors because of safety concerns, but now Mayor Andre Dickens, according to the AJC, has changed his stance on the meetings. Uh, The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported this week that the meetings would be held behind closed doors, with even the location of the meetings being kept secret. The group of 40 community leaders who the mayor chose to bolster community input on the controversial project met for the first time Wednesday. Remember, he had a press conference after the fact. Uh, Former Ambassador Andrew Young was there. Dickens said the task force members requested closure of the meetings out of fear for their personal safety. Uh, Come on, man. Uh anyway, yesterday the representative from the ACLU of Georgia resigned from the task force over the lack of transparency and the AJC heard from at least one other member that others shared concern over closing the meetings. So now the meetings of the full task force and its subgroups will be available for public viewing through Zoom. I'll share that story in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com. Just another one of those situations where The folks in control of the narrative of this uh, debate make decisions that make you question if they're really thinking things through. Transparency is so important in this, and there's been anything but for the length and breadth of any discussion on the future Atlanta police training facility. While we're talking about uh, the environment, it's, it's interesting to see these two varying headlines today where at the House level, Speaker Kevin McCarthy is targeting to cut back on green energy, clean energy incentives through the uh, infrastructure law and the Inflation, Inflation Reduction Act, while at the same time, get this, get this, Governor Brian Kemp is butthurt because Senator Raphael Warnock, in his mind, and John Ossoff, uh, in Governor Kemp's mind, isn't doing enough to make it so that the electric vehicle production that's coming to Georgia will get some benefit from those clean energy breaks, despite the fact that they won't be using union employment. But Governor Kemp doesn't seem to understand, well, you know, there's time to work on that because these plants, are, we, we, we've we talked about it in, in the coming uh, last few weeks, the Rivian plant in social circles, not even going to be done until what, 2026, the Hyundai plant until 2025. So there's time to work on that sort of stuff. What's happening right now, though, the back and forth, the brinksmanship, the poker match going on between House Speaker McCarthy and President Joe Biden when it comes to the debt ceiling, which has to be dealt with in the coming months, month's tops. That's happening now. If Brian Kemp wants to put pressure on anybody for seeing to it that electric vehicle manufacturing still gets to come to Georgia in 2025 and 2026, then he should be putting pressure on House Speaker McCarthy and the Republicans in the House of Representatives who represent the state of Georgia. I just said Georgia like Julia Sugarbaker did in that episode of Designing Women. And that, my dear, just so you will know. (laughs) Okay, but no, seriously. I mean, even from this article where they had like a House Ways and Means Field trip or whatever to Peachtree City earlier today. And the AJC covering this story mentions, by the way, that Kevin McCarthy aims to pass a plan to wind down new solar power and electric vehicle tax credits as early as next week, setting up a collision course with Democrats over raising the government's borrowing cap to avert a financial catastrophe. But but Governor Kemp's complaint is that a tax credit that... Uh, EV makers wouldn't even enjoy until they get the damn places open in 2025 and 2026. That's his peak, be- Not the immediacy of what the budget situation is in Washington right now with regard to the debt ceiling. Mike Collins, Congressman Mike Collins, mocked the clean energy incentives at this hearing in Peachtree City. He said they didn't do anything to address the region's traffic-choked interstate highways and ignored the growing threat that China poses to the, co- the economy. Hang on a second. First of all, Mike Collins, you know what would address Atlanta's traffic-choked interstate highways? Mass transit expansion. Tell us how conservatives feel about mass transit expansion, Mike Collins. Scanning through this article, though, uh, it was kind of an an open dialogue, an opportunity for for folks to talk to the House and Ways Committee that was there in Peachtree City. Matt Livingston, owner of Coach's Bar and Grill, told the committee members, according to the AJC.com, that his restaurant suffers from high turnover, supply chain troubles, and the fallout of pandemic-era payouts that have made it hard to keep his West Point eatery open. Okay, hang the hell up. First of all, here's what he said. No matter what incentives you offer, they're not going to come back to work. Okay, Matt Livingston coaches bar and grill in West Point. I've got questions. First of all, are you paying these folks more than $213 an hour? Do you pay your wait staff more than $213 an hour? Do you pay your kitchen staff more than $10 an hour? $12? $15? What do you pay your kitchen staff, sir? Just curious. You're right. There aren't a whole lot of people who want to work for $213 an hour. That's a fact. But I also have to wonder, sir, um, what pandemic era payouts have occurred in the last six months, the last year, even, that people are still lavishing on? I can't think of one pandemic payout that my household got when I was married, when I was single, that I could still be living off of. What reality? is a Matt Livingston, owner of Coach's Bar and Grill in West Point, Georgia, living in. Ridiculous. I'm sorry, I just kind of have a short leash when it comes to restaurant, bar and grill, the food industry owners who, quite frankly, live off of labor in a lot of cases that they're not even paying for. You, the customer, pay for that labor on their behalf. And we gladly accept it. We're like one of the few countries on the planet that continue to live in this system where waitstaff and bartenders make $2 an hour. That has not been adjusted for inflation since the last time it was ever. The minimum wage hasn't been adjusted since, what, 2009 for inflation? Do you think inflation has grown since 2009? Shoot, since 2019 but we haven't touched those wages. But the restaurant, the bar industry, they live off the two thirteen dollars an hour employee, which we all know doesn't even cover the taxes anymore. But the customer winds up tipping them, hopefully. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I have, I have a short leash when I hear from restaurant and bar owners who are howling because they're having a hard time making ends meet. Um, first of all, that's the cost of doing business. Paying people what those people believe their time's value is, is part of the cost of doing business. Whenever you hear some business person talk about, well, if they raise a the minimum wage, the cost of doing business, if you don't budget for what a living wage is, then you're just taking advantage of people. That's the long and the short of it. So, sorry. I have no, none whatsoever, no sympathy for the restaurant and bar industry that makes its money, its profit, pads his wallet, probably pays for the roof over his head, keeps gas in his car, while people are making two thirteen dollars an hour and can't put gas in theirs. If they have a slow night, a slow week, the food sucks, the vibe is bad at the place that he owns. Man, sorry, no sympathy whatsoever. Another Republican there said, well, we need policies that put Americans back to work, not simply a handout. Drew Ferguson from Georgia. No handouts, of course, unless it's to big business and or billionaires or maybe Lieutenant Governor's dad's, you know. What is this handouts business? Dude, unemployment is like 3.1% in the state of Georgia. It's 3.5% throughout. People are working. And by the way, that doesn't even account for the gig economy folks who have been out of the system long enough that they don't even show up. People are not looking for handouts. When is the last time there's been a, a, a massive handout? We got to stop that narrative, man, and at least hold the folks who use that trope to accountability. Okay, then stop giving handouts to millionaires and billionaires. Stop giving handouts to big business. Stop subsidizing for-profit business. Those are handouts, sir. Again, by the way, hat tip Greg Bluestein doing some solid reporting on this uh, House Ways and Means meeting in Peachtree City today where he goes on to cite, the GOP calls to repeal tax breaks designed to boost the production of electric vehicles, solar panels and other green energy manufacturing. Also, posed concerns for Governor Brian Kemp and state Republicans. Kemp has helped the state recruit a string of massive projects tied to the transition away from fossil fuels, including an expansion of solar giant Q Cells, a Rivian electric vehicle factory sprouting in northeast Georgia, and Hyundai's $5.5 billion Meta plant near Savannah. (laughs) Greg goes on. Kemp tried to reconcile his party's call to scale back incentives that have helped make Georgia a fast-growing alternative energy hub by taking aim at a provision that he warned could leave major manufacturers out in the cold, citing again the John Ossoff-Raphael Warnock uh, pivot where they are working and have time on the clock, whereas Kevin McCarthy does not, to deal with that. Ah, partisan politics. It is apparent, by the way, that we are not going to get to talk to Royce Mann today, unfortunately, and I apologize for that. Uh, I'm running out of time. uh, Going to the Braves game tonight, by the way. What do you think? Braves-Astros three-game series? What do you think is going to happen? Should be a good series, all right? A World Series rematch from two World Series ago? Looking forward to that. So while we won't get to have Royce on, unfortunately, because I'm running out of time and our Twitter interaction just kind of died off and I sure he had to go somewhere else and kind of lost track. of it. No problem. We'll get him on. I do want to share a tweet where he overheard cops talking two months after Tortugita's death. And what he overheard may or may not shock you. We've got that after the break on The Ron Show. Stand by. Oh, hey, you're still here. Hey, that's cool. Thanks for sticking around. Not only am I host of The Ron Show, I'm also Ron Roberts, real estate agent slash Realtor with eXp Realty. That's right. I help folks buy and sell residential real estate in and around Metro Atlanta. And we've been through a crazy couple of years, have we not? Between COVID, the post COVID market, the craziness. You could throw an open house on a souped up tool shed and you would have cars lined around the block to come in and see it and throw an offer well over asking price. Well, those days are no longer a part of us, and interest rates are a little higher than they were before. But I must say, It's still a great time to either buy or sell, or both, real estate, residential real estate, in Metro Atlanta. Why buy? I tell tenuous buyers all the time, if you are renting right now, you are paying someone else's retirement accounts your money, and it might as well go to you. The cost of housing in Atlanta is not going to get cheaper. The population is going to continue to grow well into the 2040s with nearly a million and a half new residents expected to come here. So you better get a house sooner rather than later. And if you can afford to buy an investment property. Now, if you already own your home, why not buy one nearby you as well and create some additional income that could be your retirement savings and you get to choose one of your new neighbors? Now, if you're thinking about selling, but you're thinking, oh man, I really missed out on that huge market in the past summer or two. Okay. Yeah, sure. But the values aren't dropping. So you still got plenty you've earned just by owning what you're in and need to sell soon. Got questions? Feel free to hit me up 843-283-0078 or email me ron at rononthereal.com. Georgia MLS 396-720 website rononthereal.com. That's me, Ron Roberts with eXp Realty. Hey, don't just listen to The Ron Show. Support The Ron Show. If you and your business would like to have your advertising done on this show, you know, it's pretty easy. You can drop me an email, ron at ronshowetl.com. You can also call me anytime you like, 404-919-2725. You can also just be a listener if you don't have a business. I mean, that would be most of you, right? Follow us on your preferred podcast platform by following any of the links we've got provided for you there on the podcast tab at ronshowatl.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, links there for you as well. Final segment of the Ron Show for Friday and for the week. Thanks for listening on the American One Radio app, AmericanOneRadio.com, on all the major podcast platforms as well. So uh, the second half of the show, we were supposed to be talking with uh, Royce Mann, who is, I mean, quite a kid. I I hate to say kid, he's a young man. Uh, an activist. Uh, he's done slam poetry. Did a really I uh, like when we got when we get him on. We're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna have him you know give us that. Uh, he also ran for Atlanta Board of Education seat while a sophomore at Emory University. Yeah, he, uh, he's uh, he's been a part of March for Our Lives and Amnesty International. Dude's got it going on, and I'm loving to see this from the uh, next generation of our nation's leaders. So he caught my attention because uh, he shared a tweet. Well, actually, didn't share a tweet. He shared an interaction in a tweet um, on the heels of the announcement earlier this week that there was no gunpowder residue found on uh, Manuel Paez tarans body inside the tent on his hands. Here's what the tweet read. With the information just really showing that Tortuguita was shot 57 times and that the cops lied about them shooting first, I decided it's time that I share this experience I had at the Georgia State Capitol on March 14th. No amount of training can fix this. Hashtag Stop Cop City. So uh, I guess he was writing this on his uh, his phone. It looks like a, uh, like a memo, a note. He wrote, I overheard Georgia State patrol officers chatting about independent autopsy of Manuel Tehran, known as Tortugita. Officer number one, the protester they shot 14 times. Officer two. They should have shot him 100 times. Oof. Officer three, they should have emptied the whole clip in him. At which point, Royce asked, 100 times? You think they should have shot him 100 times? See, he was eavesdropping, overheard them, and I don't guess they were expecting someone to chime in because he said that question was met with silence. So he followed up. That's what you said. So how many times do you think they should have shot them? Officer number four, the fourth person chimed in, 41. At which point Royce asked, you think they should have shot them 41 times? Officer four responded, yep. In honor of the Bruce Springsteen song, you should Google it. First, I have to point out, Bruce Springsteen is a liberal. And the song in question is called American Skin. And I'm going to read from you exactly what's in Wikipedia. Uh, it's called American Skin, 41 Shots. A song written by Bruce Springsteen, inspired by the police shooting death of Amadou Diallo. It premiered during the band's 1999 reunion tour and concert in Atlanta on June fourth, 2000. The final concert before the tour's final 10 show run, blah, 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 blah. That performance led to some controversy in New York City, where the Patrolman's Benevolent Association called for a boycott of Springsteen's show. Boycotting Springsteen never works. <laughs> <laughs> to tell you how dumb the officer force statement was, a little more about Amadou Diallo and his killing. In the early hours, of February 4th, 1999, an unarmed 23-year-old Guinean student named Amadou Diallo was fired upon with 41 rounds and shot a total of 19 times by four New York City Police Department plainclothes officers, one of whom later claimed to have mistaken him for a rape suspect from a year earlier. Those four officers, by the way, charged with second-degree murder, acquitted at a trial. A firestorm of controversy erupted after the event as the circumstances of the shooting prompted outrage both inside and outside of New York City. Issues such as police brutality, racial profiling, and contagious shooting were central to the ensuing controversy. I'd love to know what jackass officer number four in the Georgia State Patrol was in this conversation that Royce Mann overheard. Because while that smug prick probably thought he was making a poignant tie-in to the Bruce Springsteen song about Amadou Diallo, he or she unwittingly really tied the song to the situation much better than he or she, Officer Number 4, whoever they are, ever imagined. What an idiot. I hate that we couldn't get Royce Mann on. Hopefully that'll happen in the near future. It's encouraging, it's invigorating. it's refreshing to see young people stepping up. He's an Emory student, ran for a Board of Education seat and nearly made the runoff as an Emory student was going to sit on the Board of Education here for Atlanta Public Schools, worked for March for Our Lives, Amnesty International. I, you know that's that's the future, man. it's it's great to see that hate uh, hey, we didn't get him on, but we'll uh, stay in touch and try to have him on in the near future. By the way, as the show draws to a close Friday afternoon, we still do not have a Supreme Court ruling on the use of Mifepristone and its approval by the Food and Drug Administration. I'm sure that'll happen. It's supposed to happen. The deadline is supposed to be before midnight tonight. So one would hope that we would get a decision before then or an extension or something along those lines. However, if you do listen to this show overnight, Friday night, Saturday morning, or on the Saturday daytime replay. Unfortunately, I don't have information on that. But do follow the show at RonShowETL on Twitter, and we'll try and keep you updated there. At any event, I got to go. I'm going to go hit traffic, try to make it up to Truist Park to catch the Braves and the Astros tonight. Have a great weekend doing whatever you do. Do it safely. Should be nice weather, except for maybe a little rain tomorrow at some point in time. But uh, we will be back here next week. All next week, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, Radio.com, on all the major podcast platforms as well. And if you miss any episodes from earlier this week or in the last few weeks, visit us, or actually since October, visit us at ronshowatl.com where you can listen to past episodes. And I will see you here Monday for another episode of The Ron Show.